welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour. Brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Mike Thomas. And I'm Suzanne Zargis. We're coming to you from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in the Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help. Thanks for joining us again today. We are so excited to be here with you. For in case you missed it, first thing up is the blog post. The newest one came out and it's all about h5p.org. For those of you who do not know what this is, it is a website that allows you to make next generation type questions. You can do embedded videos with questions in them. You could do hotspot questions. You could do flip cards. You could do drag and drops. All those things that we're really looking for the students to know how to do before MCAS comes up. So it's a great tool that you can use. And we even have a great video on Microsoft Stream which shows you how to embed those codes into your course. So check it out. It'll be a very useful tool for you over the next number of months. In case you missed it, the H drive is going away. We know we've talked about this in the past and we're probably going to talk about it from every podcast now until it is gone. If you haven't done so already, all staff should begin copying your files from the H drive to the OneDrive. H drives will be eliminated as of December 31st, 2017. The simplest approach is to copy all of your files at once to the OneDrive and then begin conducting all your work from OneDrive so you're not keeping track of files in two locations. If you have any questions at all, feel free to email DLA support. In case you missed it, well, I guess it's not really missed it yet. Brightspace has some new tools coming out that will be available to you this month. One of them is called Lessons. It changes the way your content looks. It allows you to tag your content with standards and it makes it a lot easier to add content. So when it becomes available, you'll get a message on your screen allowing you to decide if you want to turn it on and to take a look for yourself. I highly encourage that you to do that because the ability to track your standards with your work is invaluable. Also coming out is a tool called Activity Feed. Activity Feed gives a social media-like experience to the front page of your content and your course. So what it does is it allows you to post today's assignment and it allows a discussion board to happen right underneath it, similar to like most social networking sites. So those are both tools. Activity Feed is available now. Lessons will be available at some point during this month. If you would like to know more on how to use these in your course, go to Microsoft Stream Go to the Brightspace channel and check out the videos entitled Lessons and Activity Feed. In case you missed it, Office 365 has a new look. Don't worry, nothing's wrong. You're doing everything correctly. It just looks different. Instead of the tiles, you'll have a much smaller description of the apps that you can use. For those of you that need reader glasses, you might want to put them on. <laughs> but everything works exactly as it used to. If you can't find a tile that you used in the past, simply click on Explore All of Your Apps. 
From there, you'll be able to find everything you used to. To learn more about all of the tools in Office 365, go to education.microsoft.com. That's it for In Case You Missed It. Coming up next are Hot Takes. So for this week's hot takes, as you may have noticed, we said that there was a long conversation with blended learning. And when we said long, we meant longer than 20 minutes. And so you had 20 minutes of the first, essentially, part one of our discussion, which is a three-part discussion. Today, you're going to hear part two. Go ahead, take a listen. And again, if you have any questions, email us at DLA Support, post them on Yammer. think it would be good to talk about some of these advantages of blended learning. And so from a teacher perspective, think about this. In a blended learning classroom, you may not have textbooks. You might have that online. Textbooks cost money, some some of them between $20 and $120 per book. Same with like the tear out worksheet books, like in a blended learning room, like that can be stuff that's online, which would be great because then you don't have the paper clutter. You don't have to carry around stacks of paper now, and you also don't have the clutter around your room, so you can use your room to better focus on other activities which enhance the learning. Think of that. Not as many copies of papers. Which I know some schools are already hit their copy limit for the year. No more lost papers, torn papers, messed up papers. (laughs) I don't know where my assignments are. Like That's a benefit to blended learning. It offers some flexibility and timing. For example, in the six hours in a school day, you have 30 of that taken out for lunch. Then you have another 45 of that taken out for a special. And if you are a departmentalized teacher, you might see those students maybe an hour and a half a day. That's your entire day with those students. And so it allows some more flexibility in creating assignments that are longer lasting, more project-based learning assignments. Instead of being with the students and being like, all right, I got an hour and a half. I'm going to do my 15 minute I do. We're going to spend 20 minutes on we do. And the rest of the time, the students are going to be working. But then they're also going to have to do centers. And they're also going to have to do this and this and this and this. So there's a whole lot of time. And I don't know about you, Suzanne, but when I go to write, especially, I think especially with writing, sometimes it takes a little while to get those creative juices flowing. I need to do a few different exercises whether it's a physical exercise or whether it's a writing exercise or a mental game or something to just get me going, our students are the same way. Like, And I think this is a whole different rant, but like, students need time to be creative. And if their day is constantly filled with from 10.01 to 10.15, you're doing this, 15 to 20, like there's no time. And so having a blended learning classroom, that first chunk that you would normally take, like teaching your lesson, can be done outside of that, outside of the rest of your time. That gives you more time to work with students. It gives them more time to digest the information instead of digest and turn it into something right away. So I think it adds a lot of time because with blended learning, with it, with part of it being online, they can do it anywhere at any time. You could have those students who never do their homework but they have a cell phone and they could be riding the bus to school and now they could be doing their homework, which is just 
reviewing the lesson for the day on their phone and then get to class and not be behind. And then I also think about like, oh, this would make grading homework a lot easier because if they didn't do their homework, they're going to be lost in the class for the day. So it puts more onus on the students, which I think is another great thing, is that students have to like they have to be motivated to learn, which, again, means that you have to help them become motivated with providing quality lessons, quality videos. Right. Overall, I think, Mike, it's it's a change in habit, right? We've, we've taught a certain way for so long, and now that's shifting and changing, and we need to be able to go with the flow and know that we're not going to have the same structure that we grew up with or that we may have started out teaching with. And it's, again, I've always said it throughout uh, probably every podcast, you know, having that open mind and being able to put yourself in the student's shoes What's going to motivate my students? How can I teach them most effectively given today's technology? Mm -hmm. And again, with using today's technology, we're no longer like stuck to here's our textbooks, here's our book. Exactly. We have the entire world. So if your lesson involves like you need to review this before we have our Skype meeting today with our expert from the National Park, like you can now do that if you want to include somebody from New Zealand or China. Maybe you're learning about the history of the Great Wall. Wouldn't it be awesome to talk to somebody who is an expert on the Great Wall? You can actually pull that in. Um, So like that helps with creating really um, strong resources that you no longer had before instead of going to Barnes & Noble or going to the teacher store in Westfield or wherever else you go to buy your teaching supplies and looking through books and be like, "I I think this might work. I think this might work. Now you have a whole breadth of experts who want to share. And you never know, maybe sharing one of those experts in your class might hit that light bulb for that one student who is lost and like not knowing what they want to do for their future and be like, that was way awesome. I would love to go be a geologist or I would love to go learn about the weather. I mean, we have a great city that our meteorologists support. I can't tell you how many times I've noticed or seen Nick Bannon or I, Nick Bannon's the only name I remember, but I know the other um, reporters and meteorologists will go into schools and do presentations. Like we have those resources. Now imagine you want to talk with James Patterson about writing or Kate Camilla about how she chooses the illustrations for her books that she's writing. Like we now have access to so much more which enhances the learning that we're already doing. And I think, again, with blended learning, some other great things, we're always trying to collect data. Hey, data's already collected for you. It's right there in the computer. It allows us to create a lot of different types of activities. We can have interactive touchscreen things. We can create project-based learning. And of course, we're always looking to better our teaching. By doing this, it will help us become better teachers down the road. I love what you just said, Mike, about the... um the data collected from all the different um, resources that students may go to, because I can't imagine there's not going to be a situation where a teacher may expect that students would naturally go towards, you know, whatever the resource is. Mm -hmm. So how awesome would it be if they do 
I'll say when they do, look at that data to see exactly what their students are doing. Because I'd be curious if I was still mm -hmm. teaching, I would totally be curious to see where my students went to get the information for this research project or, you know, whatever, whatever they're working on and find that a student found something that I had no clue existed. Mm -hmm. And then that student can shine. They can present to the rest of the class saying, oh, yeah, well, I did it this way. You all went in one direction. I went the other way and look what I found. How awesome would that be? I think another thing with teaching and how this can help some of the advantages of blended learning is a lot of times as teachers, we close our doors to teach and we're by ourselves. We are alone and a lot of times we're isolated. And so the time that we have to collaborate with others is during time when our students aren't with us, which is a 40 minute block of the day. And let's be honest, that 40 minute block of the day, there's probably a few minutes that you need to go use the restroom because you haven't had that chance to go all day. You might need a coffee break or go to the vending machine to get a little something extra to help you make it through the rest of the day. And so that time that you have to collaborate is very small and maybe you get to do it. Maybe there's other times where meetings are scheduled and you can't collaborate on it. And so by it's one way that the conditions that you're teaching in are improved is because you're no longer alone. It gives you more chances to collaborate. You can find more professional development. I mean, last week I watched five webinars in a row all about different tools that I can use online that I at some point will get sent out to you guys. So almost like Netflix binge watching, but not quite. Yeah, except <laughs> for I learn things. I mean, I guess you could learn things on Netflix if you're watching documentaries. Um, it also helps you improve just the amount of time you're spending preparing. Because yes, there's a lot of work on the front end you have to do in setting up all the stuff on the computer and online. And that's why we have Brightspace, and that's why we have our learning management system. Year one, lots of front-end work. Year two, a lot less front-end work. Year three, even less, because you're able to curate the good stuff. You're able to cut out the bad stuff that you're like, oh, that didn't work. I'm not going to do that again. But that worked. I want to do that again, because you can copy your course over, and all that initial front-end work is done. So now, every year afterwards you're making tweaks as you go along which quite frankly as teachers who have taught the same grade for a number of years in a row that's what you're doing anyways that first year first year or two you're learning and you're spending so much time planning and then as the years go on because you've been teaching that same grade the, that time planning continues to get smaller and smaller and smaller and i'm glad you mentioned brightspace because brightspace can help everybody with the collaboration too. So if you've got a, a master teacher in your building who has perfected the blended learning in their classroom, then talk to them, create a PLC, or see what you can copy from their course, and work together as a team. You're not on an island anymore with all of these collaboration tools. That is very true.
So with advantages for teachers, we have to ask ourselves, well, what are the student advantages? Because it's all great. All these things that we talked about for teachers is fantastic. But ultimately, is it going to help my students? Is it going to work? And so a few things that um, a few of the different articles pointed out that we've read about, um, that there's more student interest because they're self-paced, they're becoming self-motivated, which anytime you get students who are self-motivated, those students are going to be your high flyers who are going to be yearning to learn more. And because of your blended model, you can now differentiate your room so that those high flyers can continue to fly high. Those who are struggling, you can uh, give them what they need to continue to improve. And those who fall in the middle, which is where a lot of times we find a lot of students, you can continue to work with them to because you'll you through online learning. You're like, you'll gain a better understanding of your students because I don't know about you, Suzanne, but when I taught, I could tell you the six students who would always talk in class, the seven students who would not talk at all in class. But if you had them out at lunch or recess or some place that's not school structured, they could not stop talking. And I've gone on enough um, parent visits to know that that happens a lot more than we give it credit for. Because whenever you tell a parent, oh, they're very polite and quiet in class, they look at you with that, they raise that eyebrow, and then they look over at their child. You sure you got the same student? You sure that's my daughter? You sure that's my son? I think it gives us the ability to, like, connect with our students better. And just like playing a video game online, students are able to focus when they are interested in it. Right. And I think... Going back to what you said a few minutes ago, Mike, about um, the high flyers in the classroom, I think for sure there's going to be students who are high flyers who may then be able to help the teacher who's not so confident in the whole blending, le- blended learning scenario. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're willing to learn, then students can teach them. Yeah, there's more student autonomy. Um and when it comes to being online, students are more willing to advocate for themselves and try to, hey, I'm stuck. Online, it's much easier to be like, I am stuck. I don't understand this. Because they don't have the stigma of the rest of the class turning their heads and looking at them being like, you're going to make them go over this again? Or whatever is going through their minds at that time. It allows a little bit more privacy. And so students are more freely able to say, hey, you know that fraction problem? that type of fraction work, I was really struggling with that and I still don't understand it. Can you help me more? And so it it creates that self-advocacy because then the students are willing and able to speak up for themselves, which that skill in itself is such a hard one to teach in the first place. Right. And for whatever reason, Mike, my perception at this time is that it's very, very comfortable for students using technology to raise their hand and say, I'm stuck. That's an awesome thing. Right. Because it's private. And so like along with that, like we, of course, the students can get their feedback pretty quickly if you give them an assessment on the computer, if it's set up for them to see. So like in their Brightspace tests, they can go and see it. If they're using Envisions, they can go and see their scores pretty immediately, at least what is able to be scored. Because some of those questions, teachers still have to go in and score because you can't account for every way a student's going to write a thousand, for example. They could write it out in numbers. They could write it out in Word. They could try to write it out but miss the U and thousand and whatever. So there's a way to for the students to get feedback. There's a way for them to find out like where they're at 
It helps them learn at their own pace, which is great. And there's a lot of ownership with it. And I think that's an, that to me is probably one of the best things with blended learning is because students like they take hold of like, this is my learning. This is me. And I, especially I would say with like middle school age students, like that's when like elementary, there might be some self-doubt with students, mostly because they have older siblings who can influence the way they think. But for the most part, I remember teaching fifth grade and fifth graders always thought they were the bee's knees, the best thing since sliced bread, whatever old adage you want to use. But then when you get to middle school, it's like, wait a minute, I'm no longer a straight A student. This is much harder. And so like that self-doubt starts to creep in. And so when that takes starts to creep in, if they haven't built up these skills of ownership and self-advocacy, then it can really take over and be damaging to those students. So blended learning gives them the opportunity to learn these skills that they are going to use not only for school, but for the rest of their life. I can't think of how many people are in jobs where they're like, I wish I could just talk to my boss when the reality is they probably could just talk to their boss. They just need to know how. Exactly. I think um, another good point you made, Mike, was the fact that they, they need these skills, not just in school, but in the real world. And uh, thinking back to my daughter in high school, she's in college now, and some of her friends who did not get online as frequently as she did in her assignments. And even at that point, that was a few years ago, um, I could see that that particular friend was going to fall behind when it came to finding a job. And going forward, I think that's going to speed up more and more and more. It's just critical that students have the opportunities to get online in a variety of ways so that no matter the situation they're in trying to find a job, they're going to feel confident and be able to advocate for themselves and talk to their boss and do all of that because they're not going to be worrying about, oh, how do I log on? What is this system that I'm looking at? It's just going to be automatic for them. Johnson Elementary School. So go ahead, take a listen, check it out, especially if you're a kindergarten teacher. My name is Amy Barron. I've been at Rebecca Johnson for three years. And that's when I started with the District of Springfield. All right. So in those three years of teaching, what grade are we in? Has it always been the same grade or? I did. I came in at kindergarten and I'm still with kindergarten. Wow. So kindergarten. And we, and of course our podcast talks about technology. So in your three years that you've been teaching, what technology have you used with the kindergartners? With kindergartners, it's tough because we're teaching them from scratch. So we use our um, student laptops and we have an interactive whiteboard run by our Mimeo. Let's go through a few of these things. So with the Mimeo, the interactive board that you have, what are some of the activities you do with the students? With our Mimeo, we use it for our calendar program. 
We do Starfall. We do our calendar every morning on Mimeo. We do our morning message on our Mimeo notebook that we have. Um, we also use it for interacting on various websites throughout the day that the children use. The listeners know that I taught fifth grade for a number of years. And so for me, kindergarten is kind of a whole new world when it comes to technology. When those little cherubs come into your room that first week of school, they're excited to be here. What are some of the things that you've seen from them that they can do already? Well, our kindergartners come in already nowadays with the touchscreen knowledge, which is very good. Seeing our student laptops can turn into a tablet, which is very useful for them. Um, some of them have um, vocabulary for technology, mm-hmm. but other than that, it's more just the touchscreen stuff. Nice. So that makes using the interactive board a very good first step for a lot of those kids. It would be, but with our Mimeos, we have a magic pen. Ah. <laughs> so we have to use our magic pen. So it makes my <laughs> board... They have to have the magic pen um, to make my board magic. So what are some of the projects that you've done in the last three years using technology? We've done numerous projects over the last three years. This year, I'm really excited. We made an alphabet book this year. Okay. Um, So the students used different things throughout the classroom. And when they had a letter made, they called me over. And with my phone, we took a picture of it. And then uh, we uploaded all the photos to my computer. And using Movie Maker, we made a digital story, an alphabet story out of it. And then they got to narrate their letter slide. So they did the name of the letter and the sound that it made. And we got to share it at open house with the parents. Wow, so that is quite an undertaking, using Movie Maker and getting the students really involved in making this from a kindergarten perspective. It so, was, yeah. So do you have any other projects like that coming down the line? or at, Right now, I don't have anything planned. We are looking at creating as a kindergarten um, some Mimeo lessons that we're going to be using and we're gonna create our own Mimeo lessons and letting the children use them as interactive centers. So when you say we, how large is the kindergarten here? Uh, with myself, there's three other teachers. So there's four of us all together. Four all together. You're gonna to be making lessons on this. I'm, I keep gonna, I wanna say smart board, but I know, I know it's Mimeo. It's a Mimeo, no- so Mimeo notebook smart. is the program. Okay. Yeah, it's similar to smart notebook. Okay, that's good for our listeners to know who yep. have smart boards instead of <laughs> Mimeos. Are there any other programs that you use with the students or? We use a lot of ABCYA. Um, we also use Dreambox as our math program, and we use uh, Teacher Monster to Read, which is a free um, reading program. Then the children love that because they create their own monsters, and they're working with letters and letter sounds and putting words together. So, is that a web-based program, or is, is this something you have to download? Nope, it's a web-based program. So, we'll have to make sure we put that in our show notes so that everyone knows mm-hmm. where to go for this. This sounds like a great tool to use. It is. It's really fun. Have, have <laughs> and in the teacher aspect, too, I can track what they do and see what lessons they're completing and everything, just like I would on Dreambox or anything else. With all of this technology, in regards to working with the students, has it? have you seen a significant growth in the students and their abilities overall? I actually have a handful of students already who can open our student laptops and log on. We're still having a little trouble getting onto websites. There's maybe about four or five out of my 21 students who can actually type in a web address and get onto a web address. So with all this technology, one of the things that we always think of is how is it really helping the students? Like it's great that they can log on. It's great that they can use the touch screens, but have you seen academic growth? 
Um, using this? With our academic growth, I would be measuring it through our kindergarten assessments. The next time I would be measuring assessments for reading would be in January. So I would see the growth there, hopefully. Already I've seen a lot of students who started with me in the beginning of the year not knowing letters and can now actually identify all the letters in their names and they can type them in on the computers even. That's a great start. So now that was a lot with reading. What about math? Other than Dreambox, are there, is there anything else that you're using or doing? Math, we just use a lot of the ABCYA. I do a lot of um, Illuminations is another website we use where we practice 10 frames and counting and grouping numbers and stuff like that. So we do a lot of web-based stuff on that. I have thought about doing a number book, but we haven't finished teaching our, all our numbers yet in kindergarten. So maybe towards the end, we might try to do a number book also like we did for our alphabet. We concentrate on writing and understanding the numerals 1 through 20. Okay. Yep. So then would your... I'm just trying to, in my mind, visualize how would you do the alphabet book, but with numbers. So would that be like one to 20? One to 20, probably, uh, yeah. And so with, I'm just going back because I'm thinking about through our conversation we've had so far. With that alphabet book, did they write little stories for each of the letters or was it more of an alliteration type thing? Nope, they worked in their groups. I have them in four groups that grouped and each group had a certain certain letters to work on and they used things around the classroom. Um, some of our students made letters out of Unifix cubes. Some of them made them out of blocks. A lot of our students figured out how to make the letters out of their own bodies. So they were laying on the floor and made a letter K. We have um, one of the greatest pictures. We had kids actually figured out how to make the J and he's, his legs are turned oh backwards to make the letter J. Yeah, so they got to use themselves or any objects in the classroom. That's awesome, especially for letter identification. Mm -hmm. I know that you've presented at various conferences and the tech symposiums that we've done. What's one of the things that you've taken away from doing that? By presenting at the symposiums and stuff and through NEPDs is the collaboration with other teachers and seeing what other people are doing. That's the best part. And sharing ideas. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you could be using the same program, but somebody's using it differently and it could just tweak something you're doing or has Mm -hmm. somebody else is doing just enough that it works better for your classroom. Right on. All right, so we've talked a lot about how you've used technology with the students. What are some things that you're using technology for professionally? So professionally, we're using OneNote this year as a school, and I used it a lot too. I'm waiting for the whole class notebook thing to (laughs) come into play. Um, I'm really excited. I've already put my math assessment on OneNote, and I want to be able to test my students through their class notebooks through OneNote on their math assessments. I'd love to do it on their reading assessments also. So I'm excited about that. So learning OneNote as using it as a staff has really inspired you to want to use it with your students. Yes, it has. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that I get to be a part of sometimes is the new hire orientations. As someone who's been here for a few years now, what is one thing you would love to be able to tell all the new staff if you had the opportunity to stand in front of them? and say something. If I had the opportunity to stand in front of new staff, um, don't be afraid. Embrace the technology that seems to be pushed at us, but it's actually there to help us. And it's um, helping and making our jobs a little easier even to help keeping us organized so we're prepared for our students daily. Well, thank you for your time today. I know we are in the middle of a very busy Monday morning or afternoon, (laughs) whatever Monday time it is. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. (laughs) Thank you.
Suzanne, I've been lucky enough in my interviews to have a few different interviews from people at Rebecca Johnson. Ronnie Gold was the one that you heard a few weeks ago. Today we listened to Amy Barron. And in the coming weeks, we're going to listen to Raven East, who's a fifth grade teacher. So we're going to get like a broad spectrum of teachers from Rebecca Johnson who are all doing different things. Amy is a kindergarten teacher who's using technology in the classroom, which I, for me, I think I even said in the interview that I've always been fifth grade. So I like kindergarten is like a foreign language to me. So it was really great to hear all the great things that she is doing in her room. Absolutely. I loved it. Another great interview, Mike. I love everything that Amy is doing, and I, I, would, I hope that so, so many people listen to her interview in this podcast in particular, because I think there's a lot of people out there that just cannot envision how kindergartners could use technology effectively. And she's doing an awesome job in so many ways. Yeah, uh, it was great to even hear like the activity, the uh, not activity book, the the um, alphabet. alphabet book. That's right. Um, so the alphabet book it was a really cool assignment. She actually sent me the video so I could actually watch it afterwards. And it was pretty awesome seeing the students who are learning their letters, who are learning to identify their letters, come up with things in their room. And they made like a little movie out of it. So it'll be exciting to see what she does with the numbers. Absolutely. And I just kind of had a flashback memory of, well, what did I do when I was in kindergarten, right? And what tools were available to teachers way back then? Pasta. (laughs) Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, probably (laughs) pasta. And other than that, really, it was colored uh, crayons and maybe paint, right? You didn't have many tools to help you learn. And now there's an endless supply of different tools that can be used. Yeah, it was also interesting to hear that they're coming into kindergarten with an understanding of a touchscreen. And thank goodness our laptops that the students get to use are touchscreens. I mean, you and I, we don't have touchscreen laptops. We're not that lucky yet. But their students were. And so they, they came in already with a little bit of knowledge on like how to manipulate the screen which I think is going to go a long way in their development of using technology for educational purposes. Right. And I was very happy that she made the distinction between their skills when it comes to the touchscreen versus their skills when it comes to actually using the keyboard and logging in. So even though the majority of our classroom did very well with the touchscreen, there was only a handful that was able to log in using the keyboard. So that is something that we um, will continually improve upon. But it, it helps people understand that they are coming in with a lot of knowledge and we need to stay on top of the game. When I think about technology in the classroom, I always wonder myself, like, how do kindergarten teachers do it? So that was one great way. Using the touchscreen is another. And I imagine she's going to explore OneNote because that has a great touchscreen feature to it. Students can practice writing. But it was also nice to hear that the whiteboard was actually used as an interactive whiteboard. Because I know for many of us, especially as the grades go up, it's less about going up to the screen and touching it and more about using it as a projector. So it's great to hear that in kindergarten, she's she's really able to take advantage of the fact that it's a touchscreen. Right, because if you've ever been in a kindergarten class, Mike, you know (laughs) that kindergartners are not good at just sitting still. They're still very active and just want to show you how to do everything, not just listen. Yeah. So the fact that like she has her calendar up there and they do their like morning announcements and what they're doing for the day, all of that on there. And as time has gone on, I believe she was talking about like using the whiteboard for vocabulary purposes, 
that like they can go up and they can touch the words and they can hear the words and there's just a lot of great tools and even like the way her room was set up when I was there like it really was an inviting space for using technology. I'm so glad you made that point because we haven't talked about that really much at all yet in any of the podcasts, but we definitely have to put that on our list for the future <laughs> because that's a huge factor in using technology effectively is having your classroom set up appropriately so that time isn't wasted and everything runs smoothly. I was also impressed, Mike, at uh, her comments regarding presenting at the symposiums and what she got mm -hmm. out of that. It's great to hear back from people who are presenters because they are experiencing the symposium in a much different way than we are and, and a lot of our listeners are because many of them have just gone and been a participant. So it was great to hear about all the collaboration that was happening, even when one of her groups, I think one of her sessions only had a few people in it, but it was a great time of, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? And let's check it out. And so that she was able to take like what other people were doing and learn from it and even apply it. Exactly. That's what it's all about. I mean, I'll never forget after using Outlook for years and years, I went to a training and I was learning all kinds of new things. So this is similar to that, where you may feel as though you're an expert in a particular technology and then you hear from other people and you're still learning. You never stop learning. Yeah. And it's also nice to hear that so often or not, we feel like once we're teachers, we're in our classroom our classroom is our entire world. And so like the symposium was a great place for her to like reach out and talk with other kindergarten teachers. So often we feel isolated. Definitely. And I'd love to um, also talk to her about the, was it only kindergarten teachers who were in her session at the symposium? Because I'm sure teachers of all grade levels can benefit from what Amy's doing in her classroom. Mm -hmm. And I also love like how, her words of advice for new teachers, as we've heard time and time again, and we'll just continue to say it every single episode, I think, when it comes to technology in the classroom, don't be afraid. Just embrace it and know that eventually it will get easier and it'll make your job easier. Yeah, because you really, there's only one way you could really break something on the computer, and that's by dropping it or break, like actually breaking the computer. I was wondering what you were going to say because I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> um, you could possibly, the only things that really could is like you spill your coffee on it. A student steps on it. I don't know why a student would step on it, but you never know, especially with kindergartners. So it's really great. We're, I think that's probably my favorite question I get to ask people. And it's usually the one right at the end of the interview. And it's one that you can see like when they go to answer it, they're, they're really all of our interviewees so far have really been thoughtful in what they've said. But a lot of them say the same thing, mm -hmm. which is go and try it. Don't be afraid. Right. Which now that I, I'm hearing you actually say that, the first thing that comes to mind is hopefully all of our listeners know that every person we've interviewed is now someone that they can add to their network of technology experts. So we always talk mm -hmm. about DLA support, um, which we will do as much as we can to answer every single question, but know that all of our podcast interviews are somebody else that they can reach out to. Yeah, and many of them are on Yammer. So that's it for our interview recap. Coming up next is our wrap up.
for this week. We thank you guys for listening to us. We thank you again for just your time because it is your time that you're giving up, whether you would be listening to NPR or music or whatever, watching TV instead of that, you're taking the time to listen to us. So we are very thankful for that. We are so thankful that we want to hear back from you. So there's ways that you can get a hold of us. There's ways that you can message the podcast. You could go to Yammer and sign up for the group or just put a message in the group that we have, SPS, Digital Learning Hour Podcast Group. You could also tweet us. I'm Mike, SPS DLA. Suzanne is Suzanne, SPS DLA. You could also email us at DLA support at, of course, springfieldpublicschools.com. You could call us, although... We don't like our phones very much because there's a big staticiness to them. And so you could Skype us instead. We're, that's a much cleaner way to hear us. Although it's probably clean on your end anyways. So you could call us if you are in desperate need. Um, but please message us. We are on available for listeners through iTunes, through Stitcher, through TuneIn. That's a brand new one that we just added this week. Um, we are still working on getting in Spotify. You can go to Google Play Podcasts. You could go to Spreaker.com. That's our host website. That's the place where all podcasts are posted. The podcast is also available on Brightspace itself and my SPS under We Learn. So there's a plethora of places you can go. You can leave comments in many of those places. You can leave reviews in many of those places. Please do. And if you'd like to be a part of the podcast, you let can us all, know. <laughs> yeah, you can all let us know there. You can also email us or what, however you're getting a hold of us. We're always looking for great interviews. And so with that, I'm Mike Thomas. I'm Suzanne Sargis. And we'll see you next week.